Hi, I'm Cindy Carpenter. I am the office manager at New Life and I lead the Life of Faith Girls Club. And I have the opportunity to read our uh, verse for today, which is uh, 1 Peter 4, 1 and 2. And so before I do that, let's go ahead and have uh, say a word of prayer. Dear God, thank you for today. Uh, thank you for your words that we'll be reading, Lord. We ask that you open our hearts, calm our minds, Lord. Open our ears so that we can hear what you wish us to hear and to know, Lord, and what we can uh, take from this, Lord. We pray for our leaders. Um, Lord, it's hard being in leadership and with the coronavirus going on, um, leadership is hard and the leaders are having to make hard decisions. Um, so Lord, give us grace, give us understanding, help us hold our tongues, Lord. And uh, in the midst of difference of opinions, let us hear what other people have to say. Let us grant grace to one another, Lord. And Lord, we just thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness, Lord, your love and all that you do for us, Lord, that we tend to overlook and take for granted. And Lord, you are so good and we are grateful for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, so we are reading. I'm going to dive right into 1 Peter 4, 1 and 2. <clears throat> Excuse me. Since, therefore, Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, flesh no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. <clears throat> So I thought it would be best if we kind of just pulled out uh, portions of the verses. And so we're going to start with the first portion of verse 1. <clears throat> Since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, God calls us to have nothing greater than the commitment that Jesus had endured in suffering for us by going to the cross. In the days we need to have a commitment to God that we will endure through great struggles. This reminds me of a, a wonderful verse in Matthew, uh, chapter 16, verse 24, where Jesus communicated the same idea when he told us that anyone who would come after him should take up his cross and follow. So taking up the cross meant that you are totally committed that you're moving forward, you're not moving backwards. And it doesn't mean we won't fail or that we'll have things always given to us or things will be easy or they always go our way. It doesn't mean that. It simply means that we are committed to doing what Christ did for us. The second part of verse 1 is arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. Many of us feel defeated in our battle with sin because we refuse to sacrifice anything in this battle. 
We only want victory and victory when it's easy. Let me tell you that life is not easy. You're gonna be tested, you're gonna go through trials, you're gonna have times of sorrow, of defeat, times you're gonna feel overwhelmed by the trials of life and your circumstances. But it doesn't have to be that way. In Matthew 5, 29 through 30, Jesus called us to have the kind of attitude that would sacrifice in the battle against sin. When I was getting ready to um, again go over these verses before I started videoing uh, this, the word attitude really uh, stuck out in my mind. And I felt like seeing that for the first time. And so I thought, okay, let's dig a little further. Let's see where this word attitude will take us. So I looked it up and it, I found out that attitudes can positively or negatively affect a person's behavior. A person may not always be aware of his or her attitude or the effect it is having on behavior. A person who has positive attitudes towards work and coworkers, such as contentment, friendliness, they can positively influence those around them. Generally speaking, behavior follows attitude. We tend to behave the way we feel, think, and believe. Attitudes that individuals consider important tend to show a strong relationship to behavior. <clears throat> the more specific the attitude and the more specific the behavior, the stronger is the link between the two. So what does this mean for being a Christian? What should our attitude be like? So I thought, okay, Lord, I'm gonna dig a little bit more. And so I was doing some research online and a, um, I came across um, this here that I found on gotquestions.org. And it's telling us what does the Bible say about attitudes? And so I'm just gonna read it. I think it's great information. Uh, and it's going to reference a lot of verses, so places that you can go and you can look at what the Bible's telling us about our attitudes. So uh, I'll just start here. Writing from a prison cell in Rome, the Apostle Paul wrote about the attitude a Christian should have. Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, Philippians 1.27. The whatever happens here is a reference to whether Paul could come to visit the Philippians or not. Paul gave this instruction so that whenever I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you are standing firm in the one spirit with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. No matter what unexpected disruptions, frustrations, or difficulties come our way, we are to respond with a Christ-like attitude. We should be standing firm and striving for the faith. Paul later writes, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Philippians 2.5 He is talking about demonstrating humility and selflessness in relationships. He also encourages us in Philippians 5.1 to be imitators of God as beloved children. As children love to imitate what they see and repeat what they hear, parents, 
be aware. <laughs> we are also are charged to imitate and model Christ's behavior and to clear reflections of the Lord. Jesus maintained a perfect attitude in every situation. He prayed about everything and worried about nothing. We too should seek God's guidance about every aspect of our lives and allow him to work out his perfect will. Jesus' attitude was never to become defensive or discouraged. His goal was to please the Father rather than to achieve his own agenda. In the midst of trials, he was patient. In the midst of suffering, he was hopeful. In the midst of blessing, he was humble. Even in the midst of ridicule, abuse, and hostility, he made no threats and did not retaliate. Instead, he trusted himself to the one who judges justly. 1 Peter 2.23 When Paul writes that our attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, he had summarized in the previous two verses about such an attitude was selflessness, humility, and service. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interest of others. Philippians 2, 3, and 4. In other words, the attitude a Christian should reflect is one that focuses on the needs and interests of others. Without question, that does not come naturally to us. When Christ came into the world, he established a whole new attitude of relationships with others. One day, when his disciples were arguing among themselves regarding who was the greatest in his kingdom, Jesus said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's uh, Matthew 20, 25-28. Jesus is teaching us that when we become preoccupied with, many with our own things, it can cause conflicts and other problems with people we know. Instead, God wants us to have an attitude of serious caring involvement in the concern of others. Paul speaks more about this Christ-like attitude in his letter to the church of Ephesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Ephesians 4, 23 to 22 through 24. Many religions of today, including the New Age philosophies, promote the old lie that we are divine or that we can become gods. But the truth of the matter is that we will never become God or even a God. Satan's oldest lie was promising Adam and Eve that if they followed his advice, you shall be gods. Based on Genesis 3, 5. Each time we try to control our circumstances, our future, and the people around us, we are only demonstrating that we want to be a God. But we must understand 
as creatures, we will never be the creator. God doesn't want us to try to become gods. Instead, he wants us to become like him, taking on his values, his attitudes, and his character. We are meant to be made new in the attitude of your minds, to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness, Ephesians 4, 23-24. Finally, we must also keep in mind that God's ultimate goal for his children is not our comfort, but the transformation of our minds into attitude of godliness. He wants us to grow spiritually, to become like Christ. This doesn't mean losing our personalities or becoming mindless clones. Christ-likeness is all about transforming our minds. Again, Paul tells us, do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, which what is good and acceptable and perfect, Romans 12, 2. I hope you enjoyed that. I thought that was really good um, learning about uh, some of the areas in the Bible of what our attitudes should be like. So I'd like to finish up 1 Peter 4, 2. Uh, I'll read that again. So as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. In this chapter, Peter gives us two time references. The first one, two time references that are helpful about having a better attitude. Um, in our following of Jesus. And so the first one is no longer. So no longer should we live in sin and we should answer every temptation and sinful impulse with the reply, no longer. So if we are tempted to lie, instead we tell ourselves, no longer. If we are tempted to, be go to gossip, instead we tell ourselves, no longer. If we are tempted to say unkind words, um, if we're uh, tempted to um, talk about somebody behind their back. We just need to learn to tell ourselves no longer. And the second is live for the rest. We should carefully consider how to live the rest of our time. God has appointed us all a certain amount of time that we are here on earth. We have a beginning and we have an end. And it's what we do in this time in between is what's important. It's what matters. And so, once you reach the end, then each of us must answer to him, to God, on how we live and what do we do. And I wonder, are we ready for that? So, my questions for you today is, and it's not for just you, I'm asking myself that as well. What is our attitude? How will we live? What will we do? What will we do with the time that's left here on earth? Some great things to think on and hopefully work towards having more of a Christ-like attitude. Living for Jesus. Thank you for today. And uh, Lord, we just thank you for the blessing of your word. Take care. Bye.